Tonight's episode of Legacy Battle is sponsored by the Thrive Experience by Level. Thrive Experience is a premium daily lifestyle plan to help folks reach physical and mental levels. Contact my friend Uncle Troy at uncletroytroy79.level.com. Get thriving in all areas of your life. Enjoy the show. Good evening. Welcome to Legacy Battle. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel and make sure you join the Facebook group. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, please contact us in the comments section. I am Michael Adams, the creator of Legacy Battle. Here with me tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King, Penn State Collegiate All-Star, Kevin Adams. And with us tonight as well is a former high school coach and boxing enthusiast, Joe Lamandola. And our special guest tonight, former professional boxer, he has a record of 42 wins, 11 losses with 27 wins by knockout. He has held the WBA Feta Centro Heavyweight title, the WBO Oriental Heavyweight title, and the WBC Continental Americas Cruiserweight title. Ladies and gentlemen, professional boxing title holder, champion, Brian Minto. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Yeah, no problem. I, I am excited to hear what you think of these boxers that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, obviously, as always, we're going to have a Q&A afterwards with Brian about his career. Tonight's okay. debate is boxing's under heavyweight Mount Rushmore. So I just want to throw this out there that there are a lot of great boxers who did not make our top eight tonight that we're debating. Some who may have had better records than some of the people we're talking about. But greatness in boxing is not just measured by wins and losses alone. It's also measured by who you fought and the time that you fought. So with that, we're going to start tonight with Manny Pacquiao. All right, Manny Pacquiao, Pac-Man. Um, he hails from the Philippines, and this guy he did it all. But I'm going to get I'm going to concentrate first on his boxing career. Um, Southpaw. He was the only eight division champion in history. So eight different weight classes, he became the champion. He has won twelve major world titles. He has won world championships across four decades, the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and, the 2020, and, and also in 2020. Um, fighter of the decade for the decade of the 2000s by the World Boxing Organization. He has a 62 and seven and two record for his career, 39 KOs. He's defeated 22 world champions. Uh, Burt Sugar, huge name in the world of boxing, called him the greatest Southpaw ever. And Rankers called him the number one boxer of the 21st century. Um, so Pacquiao, he started off in the Philippines, as I said, in extreme poverty. He dropped out of school, and, and by age 16, he decided to become a pro boxer. Uh, folks asked him about his humble beginnings. He said, well, when I was younger, I became a fighter because I had to survive. I trained so hard. Um, so that I keep, I keep my family alive. 
I mean, this was something that he, he realized that he had this skill and he was not only just fighting for himself, he was fighting for his entire family uh, just to, to try and pull him out of poverty. Um, so he has, over his career, he's won $3.2 billion in prize money. It's an amazing figure, but he hasn't kept it all himself. He has given back millions to his, his home country, to his home people. He's built hundreds of houses and just given them away. Uh, he's done tons for, for charity inside uh, inside Philippines. Um, and he's also taken it to the next level. He's become a senator in the Philippines. He's been a senator since 2016. Um, and he's he's gotten in, in some other stuff too, some other fun stuff. Uh, he dropped a couple of music albums. Uh, he, had, he had the Pac-Man Punch thing going on. And he also, uh, he played a little bit of basketball, uh, about 10 games in, in the Filipino league. Um, so all in all, this guy, just a, just a huge face of boxing. Um, one thing that really jumps out when you look at his at his overall just game is that he seemed to really have a sense whenever his opponent was starting to wear down and starting to struggle, and he would just come in with these flurries that would just overwhelm his opponents, and, and that was really sort of his style is that he would sort of hang for a while and try and you know and, and try and see when you know when the time was right and when when he came in and had his surge, uh, most of the time it was over. When early on in his career, he was a bit of a brawler. But then he, he, he became more of a methodical puncher as, as time went on. Of course, he had that famous right hook they call Manila Ice. I mean, that's a great name for a punch, Manila Ice. But uh, so, Brian, I, I want to ask you, for years, the fight that everybody wanted to see was Pacquiao Mayweather. And it didn't happen for a really long time. A lot of people say Mayweather was kind of ducking Pacquiao. Uh, but when they finally did fight, Pacquiao picks up the loss. Does that maybe tarnish his legacy a little bit, the biggest fight in his career that he took the loss on? No, I don't think so. Not at all. No? Um, I mean, just what he's doing right now is quite amazing. If he fights Garcia and beats him, then, you know, I think he tops Floyd Mayweather in some sort of way because Garcia, these young gunners are spectacular, you know, so I think you know, that's a big step up for him. But, you know, if he beats him, then it's – I think, yeah, I think he surpasses Mayweather. I mean, regardless what the D.O. and the record, I think that, you know, maybe he uh, – maybe you'll see another Pac-Mayweather Pac fight. Who knows? And he is really the only active fighter that we're talking about tonight. Technically, Mayweather is retired, but he, he's yeah. – like most boxers, they come out of retirement a few times. Kevin, you're going to be representing Mayweather later on tonight. You know, what were your thoughts about him kind of ducking Manny for all those years? Well, if I remember correctly, there was concerns that Pacquiao might have been juicing a little uh, and ducking the drug test, and that's why there was a little bit of a pause between them. You know, getting their box their boxing match going, but Mayweather, you know, ultimately stepped up, fought him, beat him. Brian's going to complain that, you know, uh, Mayweather dips out and, and runs away in the, in the ring, and that, that's not the case. We all know that Mayweather is a defensive boxer, and that's how he plays or boxes, and, and it works for him, and he wins. I mean, I'm not going to take away from Pacquiao, though. He's a great boxer. Um, but well, how do you move up in all those weight classes like he did and win? Exactly. exactly. Pacquiao, you there's know, questions about the EDs. Yeah. Regardless – 
it's professional sports. You always have it, regardless, especially boxing. They didn't test that much, so I'm sure you're going to have people that, you know, they're going to cheat or whatever. It's just part of the being in the business. Even I bet you half the NFL is using some kind of PEDs. So anybody <laughs> that can get an edge, they're not going to not do it. Like, to recover from the sport of boxing or football, if you're – like hitting trucks every day, like these NFL guys, their weight and their amount of force that they're bringing. Like there's, you know, they need some something to help them recover. And I'm sure it's not a good night's sleep, a lot of them, but you never know. I mean, that's just part yeah. of the bit. True. Yeah, and, and Pacquiao was Pacquiao, also. When he, looked, he looked like a bodybuilder at one point in his career. He looked good. But, you know, everybody, everybody had a – you know, that gas saying that he was taking it, which maybe that's why Mayweather never fought him. Just figured, you know, because it gets around in the boxing world. If somebody's cheating, people all find out. Everybody knows. Regardless, you know, they can have their reasons why they don't want to get tested. Well, I don't like getting the needle stuck in my arm, getting blood drawn, or it's against my religion or whatever. We all know what that's about, but that's just, yes. That's some inside information. I like that. Yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah, no. So it's all, I mean, boxing, I'm going to be honest, is the dirtiest business out there. You got all these people crawling out of cracks everywhere. They want to be an agent. They want to represent a fighter. Oh, I can get you this fight. But meanwhile, what they do is they steal money. They'll steal 30% off the top of your purse. As you can see, this is a touchy subject with me because there are so many thieves in the sport that don't deserve, They're, we're in there risking our lives getting hit in the head, and then you got these people, they think it's okay to take $50,000 off the top of the purse or a hundred. Oh, they, they're justifiable. We got you that fight. Yeah, but you didn't earn it. The person that gets in the ring and sacrifices everything gets, you know, it's just one of those things. What Boxing needs to be a regulated type of sport, and it's not. It's still kind of run by the promoters and the insiders. It's like this political world we live in right now, right? <laughs> so I, I'm just, I mean, boxing's a great sport, but there's so many, like, evil people in there that will just talk to you and try to convince you that, oh, you come with me. And it's just, that's the only part I hate about the sport. Like, I'm just, you know, I, I don't like talking about it, but I get going on it because it's very... <laughs> disturbing what people can do and justify that they can do it to you well wait a minute you know i deserve that no you don't you know so i think it needs to be they need to have something to regulate that the representatives that are coming representing these fighters need to be i mean a lot of them are licensed matchmakers or they have to have some sort of uh credentials but it's still not regulated like it's just not all right and it's a, it's a it's a touchy subject with me and people say oh that's all you talk about but now it's so true like it needs to be regulated these people these guys so if you look at the russian that got injured against um i think it was lopez on the hbo bout he almost died he probably made thirty thousand dollars and how much they took off of him and he didn't even have enough money to pay for his medical expenses and they all turn their back. See, this is what it's bad. That's a bad part of it. You right. know, and justifying, like, 
there was probably more money in the pot than what he took home. So it's just it's a sad thing, but they don't give two shits about you. Everybody, y'all, they care about you. Yeah, I believe that. And they'll tell you another one. But, sorry, we got off talk. We got off <laughs> subject. That's that, fine. One That's thing, I don't even know why I came like boxing. I it's uh, I don't even really watch it anymore. I just don't. I don't know. All right, well, let's move on to... Uh, it was good okay. to me for where, what I did. So, But other than that, no. All right. I'm done. <laughs> guys. All right, let's move on to Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah. All right, so before he turned pro um, in 1976, um, he started boxing at the age of 14. Sugar Ray Leonard won three National Gold Glove titles, uh, two amateur athletic union championships, um, he won the 1975 Pan American Games crown. He won the 1976 Olympic Games gold medal. When he turned pro in 1976 at the age of 20, um, in 1977, he won his first pro fight. Um, he, would, he would defeat uh, boxers like Wilfred Benitez, Roberto Duran, Hearns, Mar uh, Marvin Hagler. Um, when he beat Marvin Hagler, he, he won the middleweight title from him. Um, during his 20-year career, he would win titles in welterweight, junior middleweight, super middleweight, and light heavyweight divisions. Um, more importantly, though, he started a foundation that raises money for di uh, type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Um, he doesn't say how much money he's raised over the time, um, but he was diagnosed, he has type 1, type 2 diabetes, and that's why he started the foundation. Um, that's pretty much, oh, when he turned pro, he had 40 fights, 40 total fights, um, 36 wins, 25 wins by TKO. His three losses, though, were to, he only had three losses, and they were to Hector Camacho, Terry Norris, and the first fight against Roberto Duran. Um, later on, he would fight Duran again and beat Duran, and then he, the story, the no moss story kind of thing with the Duran thing. Um, but that's, that's what I've gotten from uh, Sugar Ray Leonard um, at this point. So. Well, and he's famous for that bolo punch. That's kind of what he's known for. Yeah. Um, he also had a, what they call the stealing rounds method. Yeah. Basically he would keep the rounds quiet and then the last 30 seconds come in with a barrage to, to win the round, which, yeah. Seems kind right. of like a cheap way to pick up points, but uh, seemed to work. And during, Brian, during, that, okay. during that time, um, his era, that's when most of the fighters were there. The, the Hearns, the Haglers, the Durans. Mm -hmm. Later on, the De La Hoyas came through. Um, that was an era where boxing was full of – every class was, was a, a big class back then. Yeah. Brian, do you have any thoughts on Sugar Ray? Yeah, just what you said about scoring the last 30. I think he beat Hagler like that. I mean. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Hagler was landing some good shots on him. But, yeah, he just gave the illusion he was doing something at the end, stealing around. So. Yeah. Yeah, Hagler, we'll be, we'll be talking about him in a little bit. Um, before we uh, get to Hagler, well, let's go to uh, Oscar De La Hoya. Yeah, so Oscar De La Hoya, um, in 2002, uh, he uh, became actually a boxing promoter. Um, he's a former professional boxer. Um, in 2018, he also became an MMA promoter. Uh, but as a boxer, 
Uh, he competed from 1992 uh, to 2008. He won 11 world titles in six weight classes, including the lineal championship in three weight classes. He is ranked the 16th best boxer of all time, pound for pound, by BoxRec. Nine of his victories received five-star rating from BoxRec as well. He's nicknamed the Golden Boy of Boxing, and that, that came about from when he represented the U.S. in the 1992 uh, Summer Olympics, where um, shortly after he graduated high school, he had won a gold medal in those Olympics uh, in 1992 in the lightweight division. And reportedly, he helps put the sport back on its feet, uh, what, you know, what they coined in the media. He also won gold at the 1990 uh, Goodwill Games, gold at the 1990 U.S. National Championships, He's winner of the 1990 U.S. Olympics Cup, uh, 1989 National Golden Gloves, 91 gold medalist at the U.S. National Championships, and gold medalist in the 1991 U.S. National Festival. He was also named the Ring Magazine Fighter of the Year in 95 uh, and was its top-rated fighter in the world, pound for pound, in 97 and 98. And he generated around $700 million in pay-per-view uh, income, making him the top pay-per-view earner at that point uh, until Floyd Mayweather and Pacquiao uh, eventually passed him. Uh, he announced his retirement as a fighter in 09. He boxed for a total of 16 years. He finished with a record of 39-6. and six. 30 of those 39 wins were KOs. Later in 2009, De La Hoya held an exhibition match against uh, Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> he beat Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, I would Shaq, hope so. <laughs> well, Shaq, uh, Shaq came out and said... Uh, that he took it easy on him. He held back. Um, you know, there was like a foot and a half difference between the two uh, when it came to the height. But so uh, he's known for that. And then in 2002, he founded uh, the Golden Boy Promotions, which is a combat sport promotional firm that also owns 25% stake in the Houston Dynamo, which is an MLS team. Uh, he's the first uh, American of Mexican descent to own a national boxing promotion firm and one of the few boxers to take on promotional responsibilities uh, while still active. Um, but he also start, started a charitable foundation that helped uh, educate underprivileged youth uh, back in 2008. He do donated $3.5 million uh, to a high school that was uh, basically, you know, named after him, De La Hoya, Nemo Charter High School. Um, so, I mean, great boxer, good record, 30 knockouts, even uh, placed, I believe, fourth in the Masked Singer. <laughs> he, he was the zebra in the Masked Ask singer, so he's got some uh, singing skills as well. And uh, he also, um, I know he had some legal issues. Um, and at, at one point, there may have been some substance issues, but the guy was a great guy, great boxer, um, good record. You know, he got, a, he got a nice set of fishnets too. Did you see yeah, that too? That yeah, there was an allegation of that. <laughs> yeah, I but. couldn't believe that, but yeah, everybody has demons, regardless of whatever. <laughs> He's yeah. a southpaw, which I can appreciate being a lefty. Um, you know, he fought in what's called an orthodox stance, which so basically his lethal fist, the left. Yeah. He also used that to jab. Brian, how how rare is that? Is that like I, you don't hear that very often? Well, that's I mean that's what they did to me. I was actually left-handed and I got converted, but I'm ambidextrous. Both of them are pretty strong. I don't write with my left as much, but I do a lot with it. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's what you use for people that have good left hands. You want get more, you know, get the left hook involved, and you know, in your arsenal, arsenal, and 
I mean, a lot of people do change them over if they can, but I think fighting left-handers is something I've had, you know, I've always had problems with them, but because you don't see a lot of them when you're a conventional fighter, you're not matched up. So it was odd and difficult. So I thought, man, that's a good advantage to have. So, but I mean, a lot of people don't, they don't see it that way and they always convert to the, uh, the lefty to being a conventional fighter. There's been a lot of rumors last year. I don't know if maybe any of you guys have heard, he might be able to attest this, that he is, might be having a comeback. He's been oh, talking yeah. about having another fight. Yeah, okay, so yeah, that is legit. That's what I thought. So, all right, let's move on to our next. Be part of, is it going to be part of that Legends League that Tyson's running? That I think he's going to get a lot of those guys back involved in that. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to Jake LaMotta. And uh, I got that one. So we're going back quite a ways. Jake was fighting in, in the old days. Had a record of 83-19-4. Has a lot of fights under his belt, 30 knockouts. Fought Sugar Ray Robinson six times and, you know, gave Sugar Ray Robinson his first ever loss, which, um, you know, that, that was huge back in the day. Jake's got the greatest chin in boxing history. Nobody could take a beating like him. Um, he would take massive beatings, but he just kept going at you. And in 106 fights, I mean, he was only knocked down once. So that that's that's pretty impressive. Um, obviously, a world middleweight boxing champion. His nickname, of course, was the Bronx Bull. And, of course, he's famous for being uh, known as Raging Bull. I'm sure everybody's seen the movie Raging Bull. Robert De Niro won the Oscar, playing playing LaMotta, of course. Um, but, you know, no one on this list could, could take a beating like LaMotta could. Now, I know he had – he's kind of also remembered for throwing a match. Um, but, you know, this was different times. For years, he refused to get involved with the mob who was basically running boxing back back in the day in the, the 40s and and 50s. And, and he wasn't getting any title shots. He went win after win after win. He would, they would not give him a title shot because he refused to, to work for the mob. So he finally gave in. He agreed to take a dive. Um, you know, he, they questioned him after the match. He said that he had, like, some spleen issues that he didn't release. But he, he took the dive. And the, the funny thing is, he didn't do it for money. He didn't get paid anything. He, in fact, he had to pay the mob $20,000 as part of this deal. So twenty grand of his own pocket just to get a title shot. And they, the mob gave him the deal. You, you take the fall in this. Once your suspension's over, you come back. We'll give you a title shot. So he got suspended seven months, comes back. He gets a title shot, becomes a world champion. So, you know... It, it, it was different times. I'm not saying it was right to take the fall. I'm not saying it, but I, I can kind of understand to an extent why it happened. So, yeah. you know, Brian, you're a professional. I, what are your thoughts on something like that? I don't know. I've never really heard of too many people thrown in the, the, the years that I fought. I never heard. I'm sure it does occur that people, you know, they just do it for money too. I mean, it's probably it's a big uh, thing out in Vegas for betting on boxing. So I'd say yeah, anything's possible with that. 
there was a lot of money made that night on it. Uh, yeah. Lamar, I want to touch on his defense. Everybody thinks he got hit a lot, but if you look back, he rolled with a lot of punches. His defense is pretty good. So, I mean, in the movie, they portrayed him not to have any, but he was rolling with all the shots. He was good defensively. I like watching him. I mean, his fights were good. He trained De Niro, too, for the movie, which, yeah. which was interesting. Yeah. So, good. Yeah. Good movie. Yeah, very enjoyable. Won the Oscar. So, yeah, good movie. Good fighter, great fighter, you know, in a time when, you know, boxing was definitely different back then. But so let's move on to Marvin Hagler. All right, so Marvis Marlon Hagler, he fought from 1973 to 1987. Um, he had a total of 67 fights. 62 of those, or 67, or 62 of those fights were wins. Um, they had three losses, two draws, um, and 52 wins by knockouts. Um, his losses were to Bobby Watts, Will Monroe, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, um, and in 1993, he was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Again, he was in that same era with Sugar Ray Robertson, the Duran, um, stuff like that. The cool, the, the cool thing about him is he, all his memorabilia he's had over the years of fighting, he actually sells them on his website to, um, for a scholarship. Um, it's called the Marvelous Marvin Hagler Scholarship Fund page. So all proceeds that through the, the sale of his photos and pictures and stuff like that, he, raise a sense of the money just for scholarships. That was pretty cool. Um, he really is all I have uh, on Marvin Hagler. Um, I mean, he's born, he, he's a, he's a, fought mostly in the middle division. Um, he's a, he was a Southpaw. Um, he was like five, nine and a half. Um, and he's from Brockton, Massachusetts. Um, of course, his nickname was Marvelous. And he he had seventy seven point sixty one percent of um, his were KOs were knockouts. Um, Fifty two of the sixty two fights were uh, knockouts, and he was never knocked out on his three losses. Um, that's what I have. So you mentioned the southpaw. I'll bring that back yeah. up. Love the lefties, but um, obviously he was a powerful puncher. He was considered a, a bit shorter. And he was, though, kind of the first guy to to get rid of the misconception that when you're a shorter fighter fighting a taller guy that you had to get in close. He, he would fight the taller guys from away, which was pretty impressive. Uh, Brian, so how, how does one go about that when you're fighting a taller fighter to, to keep away from that jab? Keep Well, you got to get to the inside to do the work. A lot of the, that's what I struggle with my whole career. A lot. I was only five eleven. Everybody was six four. I fought someone six six before. So yeah, you got to basically double your jab up to get inside and work, and then get out. I mean, it was my whole career. Yeah, I was always the shorter guy, figuring it out, and you get a lot of angles, footwork. There's all kind of different ways you can get inside, but you got to be careful because those big guys, you know, they like to throw the uppercut too. If you come down way too low, take your head off. So, yeah. Kevin is. Uh, yeah. No, it was just a challenging 
you know, it's a challenging thing for anybody shorter to get in on the inside on a bigger guy. So yeah. a lot of people will take them the couple to get into, which is not a good idea. <laughs> so Kevin, we're all trying to get our guys to make this Mount Rushmore tonight. You know, Joe, he had uh, Hagler and Sugar Ray who happened to fight each other. Sugar Ray coming out on top. Does that uh, kind of put Sugar Ray over Marvin or is Marvin's career big enough that he might overcome that in, in our vote later? Um, Marvin, I mean, he has a good, he definitely has a good record. Um, and I mean, he was fighter of the decade in the eighties, um, got fighter of the year in 83, 85, um, and ring fighter in, uh, 83 and 85 also. Um, I mean, so he definitely has the, the awards recognitions, but uh, I just, I feel Sugar, Sugar Ray, I don't know, I just feel like he was, he was better. I don't know. Um, and, you know, he beat him, uh, which puts him ahead. Um, though, you know, if we look back at other sports uh, uh, rivalries and whatnot and people not getting in after beating somebody, Penn State, Ohio State, Penn State beat Ohio State the one year and Ohio State got into the playoffs and, so, I mean, it's possible that we could put Hagler in over or over Sugar Ray, but you can't, you know, look overshadow or overlook, you know, that Sugar Ray did beat him. All right. Uh, let's move on to Roberto Duran. All right, Roberto Duran. Hands of stone. Monos de Piedra. So, this guy come out of Panama, and he fought in seven different weight classes, uh, and he became champion in, in four different weight classes. So, and he was, it turned out, you know, like I say, grew up in Panama, was very, very poor. And the, the fascinating thing about him was he's out there seven, eight years old, fighting in the streets for money, just to get money to, to uh, you know, for his family. And, and so while he's out there doing that, um, there, there's a, there's a, a, a local uh, trainer uh, there in Panama who happens to notice him and he and he takes him under his wing and says you know I'm going to train you how to box right you know don't be doing this stuff out in the street I'm going to you know treat you how to or teach you how to do it right so he takes him under his wing and he gets him to a point where he's the he's the best boxer in in Panama and arguably maybe all of Central America well then he wants to get to the next level and he knows the way that, that he's going to have to do that uh, he's eventually convinced that to have uh, Ray Arcel train him who this Ray Arcel was a, he was a legendary trainer and he got, he had gotten, uh, had gotten a lot of uh, boxers to championship level. So Arcel does take them to the next level. He, they go through and from 1968 to 1980, he's 71 and one with 57 KOs, just, just taking the whole boxing world by a storm, just beating everybody that, that comes along. But there was still that elephant in the room there was, you know, okay, you never fought Sugar Ray yet. And Sugar Ray was the popular boxer at the time. He was, you know, the boxing world was split. You know, who's better, Sugar Ray or or, or, uh, or Duran? So finally, Duran said, you know what, I want to fight him. I got to prove, you know, that I'm the best in the world. So he did. And he, you know, so he challenged him. He gets in the ring with him. But, but before he gets in the ring with him, what actually went down, which was kind of interesting, was um, Duran, he insulted Sugar Ray's wife. Uh, this is like weeks before the match. So Sugar Ray was not on his game when he stepped into the ring that, that night. And Sugar Ray decided, rather than doing the dancing around stuff that he normally did, he decided to square up with Duran. And Duran let him have it. 
let him have it. And he punished him the whole entire uh, match, and he ended up winning by a unanimous decision. So Duran becomes the champion of the world, takes down the, you know, the best guy. He's on top of the world. Then that's where his career changed because at that point in time, I guess he felt like he had, didn't have as much to prove. He ended up, his, he got, his weight got out of control. He got a little complacent. And his manager uh, or his promoter actually kind of screwed him over because he scheduled a match three months in advance while Duran was 40 pounds overweight. And that was the rematch against Sugar Ray. So he had three months to try and get down 40 pounds, which, I mean, I'm sure boxers know that. that I mean, that's a huge amount. So he gets down to make the weight. But when he does that, it just, it, you know, it caused fatigue. It caused his energy level was low. He just didn't have it. So then Sugar Ray, he decided that he, you know, in this match, he was going to change his strategy up. He wasn't going to go toe-to-toe with Duran because he knew he couldn't do it. He decided to do the dancing thing. And so when he did that, uh, Duran, after round after round after round of, of going, uh, you know, against Sugar Ray doing that and trying to close off the ring and he could never do it, he, that's whenever the, the whole no moss thing happened. And, and in round eight, he just said he didn't want it anymore. And he turned to the announcer's table and said, I'm retired. I'm done. Um, it wasn't because he was a coward. It wasn't because he didn't think that he could beat him. He just, he, he didn't have the energy and he didn't have, the desire to to continue to pursue a guy who was going to run away. So he lost that match and he lost his title. He went through a dark period for the next few years until he finally sort of found himself. He realized what he was fighting for. Um, you know, the people of Panama, it was crazy because they, they loved him at that point, you know, while he was a champion, but then they turned on him while he was, uh, while he was down and out, you know, they called him a coward. Um, but he found himself, he comes back in 1983 and refocus, and he ends up TKO and Davey Moore and regaining his championship. So he kind of vindicated himself a lot of ways for that Sugar Ray loss, in my opinion. And then in 2000, at the age of 49, he defeated Pat Lawler to become a, a, a super middleweight champion. So at that, you know, at that late age, he was still able to, to do that. So, um, you know, like I said, going back to Panama, he was an absolute hero in that, in that country. Uh, he gave back so much to that country. Um, he was, you know, he was a guy that even in the, in the politics of, of Panama, they, everybody, everybody wanted to know his opinion. He was a guy that was just, when you thought of Panam- Panamanian sports, he's like the first guy that really comes to mind. Of course, he, he would over, overwhelm his opponents with his march forward toward them, intense pressure, power shots, power shots. What, you know, what year did he beat Iran Barkley? What was that? Um, I'm yeah. not sure off the top of my head. No, yeah, but that was a light heavyweight, I think. Eighty-nine, I think it was. Okay, eighty-nine, yeah. Mm-hmm. What well, did he move up? What weight was that at? Wasn't Barkley uh, middle middleweight? It was the middleweight title. Okay, that was a great fight. I really enjoyed watching that. Um, amazing. Was he, was he one of the guys you looked up to? Yeah, I I like to watch his tapes. I mean, very. He was uh very sharp man what he did setting people up it's the only really thing i seen we got hit by herms that one time man Whew, was that a shot <laughs> yeah it was an awesome shot by herms but yeah he was great i mean mike acre um god rest his soul passed away he told us that that day they were getting ready at the casino they were i think they were eating and he said duran just kept saying i'm gonna win this fight because i feel like fighting tonight 
So that was kind of neat to hear that, a little bit of stories about how he was uh, – because I asked him, like, you know, he was older in that fight. He did really well. I said, that was impressive. He's like, yeah, he trained for that. So definitely a great fight to watch. So, Joe, he took on Sugar Ray Leonard, who you represented a couple times. What, what are your thoughts on Duran? Um, I mean, he was a great fighter. Um, and, you know, to come back at 49, I mean, most athletes at that age come back, it's, it's a fiasco. Um, but it's split because, you know, Sugar Ray beat him the second time and he beat Sugar the first time. So say what you want. I mean, the story goes that he was saying no moss, but then if you read some stories, it, he was saying something else about he's tired of chasing Sugar Ray around. Um, that's what he was actually saying instead of no moss. Um, but um, it's it's a toss it's a toss up, man. I, I could really, I mean, I didn't have Durant, but I could go either way, really. Hey, can I it's almost in? like they should have fought a third time, you know, because the first time it was Duran Duran style, the second time it was Sugar Ray style. He almost kind of needed like a rubber match there. You did, you did really. So okay. in, yeah, in in '89 when he fought Sugar Ray, yeah, Sugar I thought, Ray. They, I doubt they paid him for quitting in the middle of that bot like that. That's no, he was actually uh, he was suspended for a while because yeah. of that. Yeah, I don't see how they'd even write him a check because if you quit, that's one thing that's probably a big no no. So yeah, in, in '89 when he faced Leonard uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, he yeah Leonard won that match. But if you looked at Sugar Ray, he looked like he lost that match. The the amount of cuts yeah. that um, he put on, on Sugar Ray, he, Sugar Ray needed 60 stitches after that match. Um, busted lip, you know, cut um, over his left eye or under his left eye, another one over by his right eye. Like, he definitely looked like he, he should have won that match because Sugar Ray had a lot more wear and tear on him than Durant did. But again, you know, that you could, that's a time where you had some top-shelf fighters back in that time, in that string of time where you really, I mean, they could have just beat each other up and we'd get nowhere with, with who was the best pound for pound at that time because they were just – I didn't, I would have liked to see maybe Duran and, you know, um, um, Hagler go at it just to see what that would have looked like. Um, mm -hmm. But so it was just a hard – it was just hard to – pick a true fighter out of that, you know, that whole era. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's move on to the other Sugar Ray. Sugar Ray Robinson, born Walker Smith, but uh, changed his name to Sugar Ray Robinson. He's considered pound for pound, the greatest fighter that ever lived. In fact, that whole term pound for pound was created for Sugar Ray Robinson. He fought in four different weight classes. Listen to this record. 173 wins, only 19 losses, six draws, and two no contests, 109 KOs. Um, that's just a crazy, crazy record. He's got four Golden Glove titles out there, too, uh, two from New York and two from some inner city type thing. And he had a 93-fight undefeated streak, 93 wins in a row. And uh, you can't always go with what you find online because I know Wikipedia says 91, but I watched the HBO documentary and it was 93 straight wins. So um, definitely going with that. But, you know, one fighter of the year several times. His style was any style he wanted. 
He could adapt. He could do anything he wanted in that ring. Um, you know, it, rhythm, he was all about rhythm. He said, if you're, you know, had a great quote that rhythm is everything in boxing. Every move you make starts with your heart and that's rhythm or, and if you're not in that rhythm, then you're in big trouble. So 31 of his fights out there have five-star ratings. You know, um, he had three fights in 21 days. That's pretty intense. And he had two within eight days. And one of those was against Jake LaMotta too. So, and, uh, you know, just kind of outside of the ring, he's the originator of the entourage, believe it or not. He's like the first guy to have the entourage. Had a very lavish lifestyle. Um, in 2006, he was put on the United States Postal Service stamps. He's considered the, the first African-American star to establish himself outside of sports. Um, he had good looks, charisma, hung with Sinatra, Jackie Gleason, Nat King Cole, all the famous people. Um, you know, but that being said, there was a lot of people that didn't like him. He was very cocky. I mean, this cocky before Ali. Ali based a lot of his style off of Sugar Ray Robinson. You know, he's considered kind of a prima donna, and, you know, it's kind of the attitudes you see in wide receivers today. Kind of, a, I'd say, originated with Sugar Ray Robinson, but he could back it up. The guy was good. He could back it up. Um, you know, just uh, ESPN, the Associated Press, boxers, trainers, ring magazine, historians, they all have him ranked as the number one boxer of all time. Um, now, you know, he, he did – have a match where, unfortunately, he killed somebody in the ring. Uh, Jimmy Doyle had a big impact on him. You know, he didn't love the sport anymore after that. He even said, you know, himself that, you know, at that point, he was just in it to make money. He realized it was a business. And, you know, his love for it had just kind of gone away. But he, he stuck at it because he knew it was good. And he, he kind of thought he couldn't really do anything else. So he kept boxing. But, uh, like I said, all, all those – Famous boxers from uh, Ali, Joe Lewis, even Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard, they all say that Sugar Ray Robinson is, is the greatest of all time. So, um, anybody want to add anything on Sugar Ray? That's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive, man. Uh, his record. That's, again, it's a time back in the day, back when he fought, man. It was. It wasn't the sport it is today. I mean, yeah. I'm sure Brian can touch more on that, but um, it's not really the sport it was it is today. Um, you probably have more eyes looking at the boxing world back then, as far as you know, money exchanging hands type of thing back when those fought than than you probably do today. But again, uh, Brian could probably touch better on that than I could. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, Brian, what was the shortest time period you had between fights? Uh, I think I had 18 total bouts in a year and a half. So it's quite a bit. I was just taking them probably once a month. Wow. Yeah. And and how does that affect your recovery? Um, I started. I think when I was 28 years of age, so I would work eight hours a day doing, um, I worked in the labor union, carrying brick and block, 
So I busted my butt all day and went into the gym and trained maybe an hour to two hours tops. And then I just, I don't know, things just worked out. It was weird. Like they were like, hey, you want to fight a pro fight? At the, I think it was David Lawrence Convention Center. I was like, yeah, I was, did, I had 18 amateur bouts and I was so out of shape and heavy. I think I weighed, my heaviest was 245 pounds maybe way bigger and I decided to get back in shape and started getting back into amateur boxing and then they was like hey you want to make some extra money I'm like yeah and he's like we'll fight professionally so they got me a fight and ended up meeting you know a boxing agent and from there he was like calling me every week hey got a fight you want you know so it was on cards he was putting me on and I was making barely I mean you get paid at first starting, I think a hundred bucks a round. Like, so you fight a four rounder, it's $400. So, I mean, I was just doing it for extra money. And then I, I got an opportunity to fight on ESPN and it kind of changed my career and everything went forward. I mean, you, you make more money in the heavier, like a heavyweight than you would in any other weight class. But I really wasn't a heavyweight. I should have been light heavyweight or cruiserweight. But, I just, you know, thought that, I don't know, just my outlook on nutrition back then probably wasn't the best. And I don't know. Right now I walk around lighter, but, you know, you live and learn. And But I had a good career. I, I really enjoyed, I got to see the world. If I tell anybody anything, it would be a, boxing gave me like a definitely, it helped me mature as a man and, I mean, you're getting in there. You don't know if you're going to come out. It takes a lot of guts to get in the ring. So it makes you more mature, and you learn a lot. And I mean, I, in the Matt Alone fight, when I got up after the first round, I know the eighth round, I sat in a chair, and I thought about quitting. So that's why I say everybody's got to fight every day to get out of bed. So mentally, like, I could have laid down and said no, because he asked me, you want me to stop it? And, you know, I just got this energy out of nowhere in the last round. And I swear it was, uh, I mean, I'm real spiritual. And I believe God gave me that oxygen that night. I got out of the, the stool and I got this energy. And I'm like, man, this is coming on from nowhere. But I didn't realize at the time. And everything slowed down. It was just, I don't know. And then you start, I think the biggest thing for people, they got to believe in themselves, what they're doing. At first, I was like, am I really uh, going to do well with this? You know, and I just. I went in there and gave it all and ended up, you know, I had a good career. I mean, definitely was got to see the world and different life experiences for sure. Hey, real quick with yeah. uh, Robinson, you know, he, he didn't really have like a style that was conventional. Like the way he boxed was unconventional. He would mix up, you know, what he did each round to kind of see where the weaknesses were in his, in his opponents um, you know, one round he'll come out just throwing hooks and uppercuts. And another round he'll be doing counter punching, like defensive mode. And another time he'll be on the outside, you know, hitting you with the jab just to kind of expose wherever your weaknesses are. Equal power, speed in both hands. Um, and, I mean, the man could knock you out if he was stepping backward, which is, like, <laughs> unheard of. You know, when you're throwing a knockout punch, you're throwing your weight forwards, not backwards. So to be able to do it while moving backwards, like the man had power and both hands were just as dangerous as, as the other. 
He's the ghost. <laughs> Go Joe. I'll say this real quick, Mike. Um, the Bleacher Report to 50, uh, 50 pound for pound best fighters. Um, yeah. And I hate to say this because I didn't have any of the these boxes, but they have Sugar Robbins as number one. Yeah. And they have Duran, believe it or not, at five. Wow. Mm-hmm. Six, at six. So how much you want to believe the Bleacher Report? But that's. Oh, let, let's, uh, let's move on to our final boxer tonight. That's Floyd Money Mayweather. We're going to rain. Dollars out of the bills. Yeah. Floyd Money Mayweather. I know uh, King over here doesn't like uh, Mayweather, so expect negative comments out of him a little bit later. But, um, you know, former boxer, you know, he's technically retired right now. Um, There's some words that he's going to fight the uh, YouTube guy or social media guy, whatever, Logan Logan Paul or Logan Jones or something. But, um, you know, he's a boxing promoter. Um, competed between 96 and 15. Then he came back, you know, in 17 to fight McGregor. Um, you know, he did beat McGregor. Um, you know, uh, I think McGregor is is a he's a good fighter. You know, but I mean, you could tell when McGregor boxed him, it, it wasn't like he wasn't comfortable. Like, you could tell McGregor was not in his you know uh, place. Like he just didn't look comfortable in the not ring. His but, realm. Not yeah, his realm. Yeah, exactly. But McGregor is still a great fighter, you know, MMA fighter. So, anyways, during uh, Mayweather's career, he won 15 major world titles, um, including uh, the ring in five weight classes, the lineal championship in four uh, weight classes, um, twice at welterweight, um, and retired uh, with an undefeated record of 50-0. and Man never lost. And of those 50 wins, he had 27 knockouts. Um, as an amateur, he did win a bronze medal. Um, in the featherweight division at the 96 uh, Atlanta Olympic Games. Um, three U.S. Golden Glove championships. Uh, he won those in the light flyweight, the flyweight, and the featherweight. And the U.S. National Championship at featherweight. Mayweather was named Fighter of the Decade for the 2010s uh, by the BWAA, two-time winner of the Ring Magazine's Fighter of the Year Award in 1998 and 2007, three-time winner of the BWAA Fighter of the Year Award 2007, 13, and 15, He's a six-time winner of the Best Fighter of the ESPY Awards. He won it consecutive years, 2007 to 10, 2012 to 14. Uh, in 2016, Mayweather was ranked by ESPN as the greatest boxer pound for pound of the last 25 years. Um, July of 2020, BoxRec ranks him as the second greatest boxer of all time, pound for pound behind Izzard Charles. Uh, the Rings, Sports Illustrated, ESPN, BoxRec, Fox Sports, so many different um, sports uh, uh, media outlets ranked Mayweather as the best pound-for-pound boxer in the world twice in a span of 10 years. Um, he's known for his defensive boxing, which, like I said earlier, I know King's going to probably have some comment about that, dipping out on, on Pacquiao, but it worked. You know, that's how, that's how he wins. He, he's the best defensive boxer in the history of, the, of boxing. Um, he's the most accurate puncher since they got that compu box. Um, he has the he is the most accurate puncher, um, having the highest plus minus ratio in recorded boxing history. Uh, Mayweather has a record of twenty six consecutive wins in world title fights. Ten of those were by knockout. Um, twenty three wins, uh, nine knockouts in the lineal lineal title fights. Twenty four wins, seven knockouts against former or current world titleists. He has twelve wins and three knockouts against uh, former or current lineal champions, and he has four wins and one knockout against International Boxing Hall of Fame inductees. 
His pay-per-view ratings lead any sport. The dude has generated over $1 billion uh, in revenue. He has appeared in WWE. He also has some dancing skills. He was on Dancing with the Stars. He placed ninth. But he, he, that's not – it's like the middle of the pack. Um, but, you know, obviously his boxing skills are way better than his dancing skills. But um, Mayweather undefeated. You know, it's a different time of boxing now. Um, you know, boxers aren't going to box – 100 to 200 matches like they did back in the day. It's a completely different game or um, sport now. Um, you know, the guys, they have better training now. They're bigger now. Um, I feel like boxing nowadays, um, as far as the competition goes, I feel would be faster, probably a little stronger than back in the day. Now, back in the day, I'm not going to take away from them. I mean, they, they were big dudes and they could hit hard. But boxing has advanced and now you'll never see a boxer hit, hitting 150, 200, 200 fights. It's just, it's not going to happen. Um, but Mayweather has the record. He has the titles. He makes the money. He's, he's one of the greatest boxers of all time. And and I, know like, I know he has some issues outside of the ring. Um, and I'm sure one of y'all are going to touch base on that. Doesn't take away from the fact that he's one of the greatest boxers. King, I know you wanted to throw your two cents in on Mayweather. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that, that troubles me about Mayweather when I look at his legacy, I'm not going to get into the dancing or the outside the ring stuff, but the thing is when he was when they were setting up fights for him, he would get everything that he wanted for like the last two-thirds of his career. He would They, they would never have him outside of Vegas. Uh, I'll get to that in a minute. I mean, he would have the ring. He would choose the ring sides. He would choose the, the, the glove size. He would choose everything. And – now, the reason why he wanted to be in Vegas is because of this chemical called uh, lidocaine and, and xylocaine, which are two things that he would have injected into his fist. And it, it softens it so you don't feel as much. And, that, and those chemicals are illegal in most other uh, states, but they are legal in Nevada. So I feel like he was sort of fighting, a, a, you know, with home field advantage, so to speak, throughout most of his career. And, you know, when, it, when a guy does that, I mean, imagine how you would feel about a football team and they always got to play in their own stadium or, or something like that. You know, they have everything sort of stacked against their opponent to begin with. And to me, that diminishes that that uh, perfect record, because unlike, uh, you know, guys like Manny Pacquiao or Duran or any of these other guys, they were willing to go to any country. They didn't care any place, anytime, anywhere. I'll fight you. And that's just not the case with Manny, with uh, with uh, Mayweather. Brian, is that defensive style? Like, is it just, is it kind of boring? I mean, that's what a lot of, you know, enthusiasts say. No, there's a craft to it. I, I like it. I think it's good, but not too many people can do it like Floyd. Um, it's the Philly shell. A lot of guys try to use it, but no one's as slick as he is. Yeah, but I, I, I like Canelo Alvarez, too. I think he's learned a lot since he lost to him. That would be interesting to see like the Canelo Alvarez now versus what Floyd was back then so it'd be interesting I think that he's got great defensive skills now mm. but, um, yeah, it's interesting I like watching Floyd's defense but some people don't like it it's not very action-packed fighting and yeah it's pretty slick man he's been on gloves since he's a year of eight one year old you know a year old and his dad trained him so he did well I think the one yeah. thing I'll, the one he's thing not I'll my say, favorite person either. I just think he's he's 
when you flash all that money around and stuff, I just think that's I don't care for people like that. I think that's just uncalled for. Especially when you got that much money. You don't see Pacquiao doing stuff like that. He's giving his money away. He's more humble. And they're I mean, Mayweather I think his whole career went on he was the villain. No one liked him, so I think it sold for him, but I'm not a great fan of him. I mean, he's the most skilled boxer out there, but yeah, I like Pacquiao's attitudes. Guys, Jeff, I'll say this: um, two things. Uh, I know the Conor McGregor fight was an exhibition; it wasn't really, you know. I will say that um, he didn't play much defense on Conor. He went after Conor in that fight, um, but he was a lot quicker. Mayweather was than I originally thought because Conor McGregor is quick and Mayweather was pretty quick. I'm not a big Mayweather fan either, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, that that kind of pressed me because I like Conor too, but that's just my May, team. Mayweather could have won that match anytime he wanted. He carried Conor. He could. Rounds just that's to, why he wore the mask in, on the ring. I think the ski mask he was wearing in down the – walk into the ring was like a sign that yeah it was like he was robbing everybody I don't know <laughs> <laughs> that was what he associated with they were like did you see him while he had a ski mask on going down and I'm like yeah I remember that I remember that and yeah I was like you know what he's doing he's robbing everybody because he knows he's going to carry him and he's going to put him out yeah. like the biggest thing they can't do is go past five rounds so he knew once he got past there he carried him and he yeah. did more aggressive style, but just it was just interesting to see that. I thought, <laughs> is he really just toying with him? I don't know. <laughs> but I, th McGregor looked good for what he had. I thought he did. I thought he did well. I mean, it was just a matter of time. But he he hit him with some good uppercuts, and it was pretty neat to see that. You know, hey. Someone yeah. else with a different sport could come in. and It, it was an event. That's what it was. Yeah. So Make $50 million in one night. <laughs> so before we vote, uh, just some quick shout-outs to guys that didn't make our list. Bernard Hopkins, Willie Pep, Henry Armstrong, Tommy Hearns, Felix Trinidad, and Hector Macho Camacho. They were all on our finalists but just didn't quite make the top eight tonight in our opinions. Our trivia question Put the answers in the comments section. You get it first. We'll mail you out the prize. In the Rocky movie franchise, name the two boxers that Rocky loses to, then also beats, and the name of the two real professional fighters who played Tommy the Machine Gun and Mason the Line Dixon. You get all that, we'll get your prize mailed out to you. So let's uh, move on to our vote. Um, one each from us, and then Brian will get to give his own Mount Rushmore. So, Kevin, who are you putting on the Mount Rushmore tonight? Uh, and you can't pick your own, so. Right. Um, well, I, was I was debating uh, between a couple here. Um, but um, refresher, who was your last one, Mike? Sugar Ray Robinson. That's right, Robinson. Um, it was between Robinson and Duran. Um, I think uh, I'm going to have to go with Robinson. His – the record that he has, the dude 
could punch you the same strength with both hands. He can knock you out moving backwards. His style was whatever he felt like doing to pick apart his opponent and find their weaknesses. Um, I think he's definitely, hands down, the greatest boxer uh, of all time, if if not at least top three. So definitely have to put up Robinson. Brian? Or I'm sorry, um, BK, BK, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay, yeah, um... Yeah, this yeah, this is really tough. I I think I'm gonna I'm I think I'm gonna go with Sugar Ray Leonard because uh, I think what he sort of began there. I mean, he took kind of uh, uh, Muhammad Ali's style and he brought it to the you know to the the lighter uh, weight classes. Uh, something that you didn't really see too much. And I mean, just amazing footwork, uh, defensive style, and, and he was sort of like somebody that Mayweather, I guess, maybe sort of emulated that sort of style. So. Uh, and, and, and many guys have done that since. So he was kind of a trailblazer, so I'm going to go with him. You got a lot of sugar on this list so far. Joe, who are you taking? <laughs> BK, who was your first guy? Uh, 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 Durant? Pacquiao. Or Pacquiao. Pacquiao? Yeah, Pacquiao. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn, man, because I, I'm kind of leaning towards Sugar Ray Robinson only because of the years he fought at a time where they didn't use the size gloves that they use nowadays. Back then, they were smaller, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, just a different time and era. The amount of um, wins that that guy had in the time he fought for, like, 20-something years, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it, you know, I like Pacquiao, too, though. <laughs> um, but if I if I could only get one vote, man, I got to go with Sugar Ray Robinson only because of the, He's, he's the, already been picked. You got to pick one that has Oh, no, I'll take Pacquiao, then. Take it, Manny. I'll take it, Manny. <laughs> All right. Yeah, because we're making the, the Mount Rushmore here. I got, so. Okay, I got you. I got you. All right, fair enough. Pacquiao's the guy. <laughs> so that, that takes it to me. I mean, when I look at this list, the best boxer left is Floyd Mayweather. But legacy is bigger than just what you did in the ring, and he's a prick. I'm sorry. He's a prick. <laughs> Um, gosh, so honestly, um, I'm going with Durant. I mean, in my opinion, he was kind of the first international star of boxing, you know, really. You know, he's the first one not born, you know, in the United States and and, and took it big. So I'm going Durant. So, Brian, who would be your four? I'm a Durant fan. I like Roberta Durant. I like... I like Jake LaMotta, and then I like Pacquiao, and then I already said Sugar Ray Robinson. Yeah, that, that's four. Yeah. All right. So that'll work. So LaMotta, Duran, Pacquiao, Sugar Ray, that's pretty much the same as ours, minus uh, you added LaMotta, and we had uh, the other Sugar Ray, so not bad. Yeah. So we're all going to ask uh, one question here, Brian, before before he gets to go. Kevin, you're first. So if uh, if if you had to pick a, a winner, uh, take uh, Muhammad Ali and Tyson in their prime time, and they fought each other, who do you think would win, Ali or Tyson, and why? That's a hard one. Tyson would always say Ali. That, that's his idol, I think. He even put it on Larry Holmes for him that time that Holmes beat up on Ali. I don't know. It's different eras. I think 
Tyson's speed and power was probably more advanced, but Ali was hard to catch. It'd be an interest, interesting fight to see. But I'd say I'll go with Tyson. That's just my, with the punching power. I mean, and his speed, I think, yeah, it'd be interesting. But I think Tyson, I'd go with Tyson. Maybe I'm wrong, but. <laughs> There's no wrong like on this show. Yeah, <laughs> I like Tyson. I'm in his prime. Yeah. Go ahead, Joe. All right, so um, through all your years of uh, fighting, was there a fight that you kind of took that you probably didn't want to take, but you took it anyhow? And if so, which fight was that? Well, there's probably three of them at the end of my career. I was just taking fights, disrespect and sport for money, but there's a lot of them. Even the Parker fight, I broke my nose. Like, I think it was... 12 days before the fight, I was sparring my last sparring match. And my nose got, this kid hit me coming off the ropes. It was in the 10th round. And I knew I shouldn't have took the fight, but I still went on, fought. I would probably got six months in order to recover, but just a bad decision I made there. I shouldn't have took that fight. And a couple of them I did at the end. Just went to the, um, I think I heard that fight. Kid out of Germany. I fought in Russia. I thought it was just, I think, three days before I got maybe there two days or one day before I flew from here to Russia. It was, I was so jet lagged and even I woke up to in the Chechen Republic. They have Muslim mosques everywhere. So I woke up to prayer call and I just was all disoriented. I mean, you know. I did some stuff that I could kick myself for, but this is life. You learn from experiences. Absolutely. I mean, there's some, I mean, again, like I, I'm not going to start ranting about management and other things like, but there's quite a few of them, but I mean, I guess I'm satisfied with the fights that I took. I mean, sometimes mentally, if you're not in the right mind, you shouldn't, you, you got to be all in in this game. Like, you can't be not focused. So that's one of the biggest things I could say. That there's times where – so when I fought Marco Hawk, I flew from L.A. to Philly. My plane got delayed. I got to Germany literally two days before the fight with Marco Hawk. And as I'm getting my hands wrapped, I never made cruiserweight yet. And I knew I even, I'm going to get my ass kicked tonight. I just knew it. You just didn't when you feel it, and right. so I think we had Robert Bird was our referee, and I got knocked down in the first or second round with a. It was a good elbow. I mean, he was slick, but just certain things you do in life, and you're just like, yeah, you regret them. You look back, should I have done that. I mean, I wasn't gonna pass up a world title fight, so I took the fight, and it just didn't work out. I mean, sometimes when when you fight overseas, they kind of they give you a disadvantage. You know, they don't try to bring you in to acclimate to their climate or their time change. But just um, yeah. Brian King, go ahead. Yeah, as you look back uh, over your career, um, which fight do you feel that you were 
maybe most proud of? Like where just everything seemed to work and you just felt like that was your best fight? Well, I got a phone call to fight uh, Shane Cameron. And I was like, yeah, I'll take it. And a lot of people didn't have me winning. So I went over there, but no. So I used Kevin Barry to train me because that was, I don't know, my manager hooked it up. And I went over there. And I think no one had me winning. I just went in there mentally. And I was like, I'm going to beat this guy. I didn't spar for probably half the camp because I had a fractured rib. And I took the fight. And it was real tender. So I went the day before I got on the plane, got an x-ray. And she's like, yeah, calcified. You could see it. So, But that was, like, interesting because I went over there and everybody's like, I mean, I can't believe you won. I just had it in my head that I was going to beat him that night. And that kind of gave me uh, another jump start in my career. So it was kind of a, it was a great moment in my career, I thought, beating Shane Cameron. After you see him knock Monty Barrett out, which you see, guys see that fight when he fought Monty Barrett. Um, yeah, it was so. Yeah, I was like getting nobody to say, "Oh, it's a fifty-fifty fight," and, but I, you know, just a good. It was a great fight for me. So we'll get you out of here with this one. You, your final fight was in your hometown of Butler, and 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 you you won. So what did it mean to you to have your final fight in your hometown and, and to, to go out with a victory? It was important to me. Um, I just wanted to get out of there with the win and work hard for the, to accomplish that win, which I did. And I mean, it was great to, to end it here in my hometown. That's that was pretty, that was pretty important, I thought. And I mean, even though it rained, it was kind of a success. It wasn't a a big loss. I promoted it myself, which was nerve-wracking enough and that day it was raining all day and we ended up getting I mean it blew past us and we got through that and the event took place yeah it was a good good note to end my career on I thought everybody when you retire by you start working out you feel good but I just know it's my, not my time I had 53 fights I'm never coming back again I just it's not worth it so yeah. You know, I'm happy with what I'm doing now. So, but it was a great career. I enjoyed it. But when you know it's time to give it up, you know, it's your time. It was hard to adjust at first, but you know, you're doing something for so long and you kind of just you have to, I guess, rethink everything and get other goals in life that you want to accomplish. Yeah. Well, we want to thank Brian Minto for joining us tonight. It's great to have you on. We appreciate hearing your views Thank on you all guys. the boxers. Yeah. And uh, we want to remind everybody to subscribe to the YouTube channel and join that Facebook group. So thank yeah. you, everyone, for watching. Good night, everyone. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, man.